This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Are you a good keeper of records? That is to say, do you meticulously count and record every penny you spend? <laughs> well, tonight we visit a man whose job is exactly that. Johnny Duller is an insurance investigator described as the man with the action-packed expense account. Each case usually starts with a request from head office. For Johnny to investigate a, an unusual claim, a suspicious death, an attempted fraud, a missing person, or other mysterious circumstances. Each story, of course, requires Johnny to travel to some distant locale, usually within the United States, but sometimes abroad, where he almost always is threatened with personal danger in the course of his investigations. He would uh, compare notes with the police officials who had first investigated each strange occurrence and following every clue until he figured out what actually happened. Each story was recounted in flashback. At every few minutes, the action would be interrupted by Johnny listing a line item from his expense account, which served as an effective scene transition. Most of the expense account related to transportation, lodging, and meals, but no incidental expense was too small for Johnny to itemize, as in item 9, 10 cents. Aspirin, I needed them. The monetary amounts were always, weren't always literally. Smallest line item Johnny ever recorded was two cents, what I felt like after a professional setback. The episodes generally finished with Johnny tallying up his expense account and traveling back to Hartford, Connecticut, where he was based. So tonight, let's hear the story of Mr. and Mrs. Trump. No, no, not that Mr. and Mrs. Trump as you'll discover. Time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Johnny, how soon can you get out to Highbridge, North Dakota? North Dakota, huh? In the winter, you guys sent me to North Dakota and the summit of Miami, Florida. All right, what's your problem? We got two old duffers insured for a total of $80,000. What's the matter? Somebody threatening to kill them? No, they're threatening to kill themselves. <laughs> of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office National Fidelity Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of your policyholders, Mr. and Mrs. Arbuthnot Trump, or how the grave diggers' spades came near being Trumps. Expense account item one, $113.52 railroad fare, Hartford, Connecticut, to Highbridge, North Dakota. As I walked towards the station in Highbridge, the wind whipped white shawls of snow out of the night and around me like a Spanish dancer, and the raw cold had my teeth acting like castanets. Inside the shack, I found a pot-bellied stove surrounded by a pot-bellied station master. Hello. Hello, hello. You our early customer? Well, I'm the only one got off the train. Can I can I find a taxi around here? Yep. As soon as my son gets the mail and freight tucked away, he'll take you. Only won't be any taxi cab. You drive it wherever you're going in the pong. Uh, by the way, where are you going? To the Trump residence. You know it? Yep, I know it. Uh, you one of the family? No, just business. Oh. 
Well. Well, what? Uh, what is your business is none of mine. But, uh, have we ever been out there before? No, I haven't. Why, something wrong? Well, if it ain't, then everybody in this town has been getting a lot of unnecessary exercise. Uh, jumping to conclusions. Well, here comes the boy. He'll drive you over. Uh, Hickey! Yeah? Hickey, you got a customer for the pong. Wants to go out to Trump Place. That Trump Place? Hmm. Well, all right. But, mister, I'll only take you as far as the gate. <laughs> This your first visit, huh? That right, Mr. Dollar? Yep, that's right. Hey, how much more we got to go? Oh, about another mile. It's cold, cold. Ooh, I'm freezing. Well, slap your arms around. Keep up circulation. Hey, does it always get this cold around here? Nope. Only in the winter. Uh. Say, Hickey. Yeah? You mind answering a few more questions? No, no, many answers. Sure welcome to those. What about this Trump place? Why is everybody around here scared of it? What is it, a haunted house? Nope. As far as I know, everybody out there is alive, all right. Matter of fact, I'd feel better if some of the things out there was dead. What do you mean? Well, past year or so, I've been delivering some packages out there. Boxes coming express on a train. Some of them come all the way from Africa. Quite a few from India, too. Hallmark, danger. Hallmark, do not open. Deadly. Whatever comes in those boxes is alive. What about the people, the Trumps themselves? Oh, they look nice enough. Sort of on old side. Old man Trump looks like a deacon. His wife looks like a deacon's wife. But they never seem to come to town, let alone church. Hey, that's funny. What's so funny? Well, look, they're on the road. Fresh auto tracks. Only one place to go out this way. Same place we're going. To the Trump house. I don't see anything wrong with that. Those folks never have no visitors. Now, it looks like they're having a lot. <laughs> hey, maybe they're having guests for dinner. That's right. Maybe they are having guests in for dinner. I didn't say in for dinner. I said maybe they're having guests for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some funny joke, that is. Yeah. Well, here we are, right around the next bend. Good. I'll tell you what, Hickey, when I get ready for you to drive me back, I'll, uh, I'll give you a call on the telephone, huh? That'll be a good trick if you can do it. What do you mean? The Trumps, they don't have no telephone. Expense account item two, a buck and a half pun fare. Hybrid station to the gate of the Trump estate where the driver Hickey dumped me off. I used one of the fresh tire tracks as a footpath up the long driveway through the snow. And steaming the white flakes out of my eyes with my breath, I took inventory of the house sprawled on the crest of the slight rise. It was big, colonial, and in good repair. All rooms lighted downstairs. One room lighted upstairs. Near the front, the automobile tracks took off around to the back of the house. I had to make my own footsteps in the drifts from there to the front door. Quickly, quickly, don't let that cold in. Let's shut the door. Now, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here? I'm Johnny Dollar from the insurance company. As to what I want, well, I want to see Mr. and Mrs. Trump. As to what I'm doing here, I'm just the victim of a bad choice of careers early in life. Well, all right. Take a seat over there. I'll go check with Mr. and Mrs. Trump. But don't bother taking your coat off yet. So this is Northern Hospitality. Coming in out of the cold makes any house seem warm. But my overcoat started to steam about ten seconds after I got inside this one. So did I. And looking around, I saw the reason. There were potted orchids growing all over the hallway. And orchids grow only in tropical warmth. Despite the invitation not to, I took off my overcoat and waited. After ten more minutes, I felt like slipping out of my suit. A decision I didn't have time to make. They're just finishing dinner, Mr. Dollar. They suggest you join them for coffee. Follow me. Thanks. Thanks. 
This is Trump. Mr. Trump, this is Mr. Dollar. How do you do? How are you, Mrs. Trump? Won't you join me? Yes, sit right over there. Yes, Mr. Dollar, come and sit down. Have some coffee. Oh, thank you. Son, now that'll be all over when you leave. Well. Fine. Now, sugar and cream, Mr. Dollar? Uh, no, thank you, Mrs. Trump. This will be all right just the way it is. Well, Mr. Dollar, I assume you've got the necessary papers? Yes, yes, I did. They're, uh, they're in my pocket already for your signature. Good, good. We'll sign them right away. Well, I, I was hoping you wouldn't sign them. At least until I've had a chance to talk to you about it. Talk to? What is there to talk about? I hope you understand that, well, it isn't every day that an insurance company gets a letter from a pair of policyholders calmly stating that they are both planning to commit suicide. Oh, no? No. Well, well, I suppose it is a bit out of the usual run of things, but there's nothing we can do about it. Now, goodness, we checked with our lawyer. And he said we were perfectly within our rights. Well, granted, you've had the policy a long, long time, and the suicide clause is no longer in effect. However, well, frankly, the company did send me out here in the hope that while I was arranging the change of beneficiary you requested, I could also talk you into changing your mind. Mr. Dollar, you might just as well save your breath. Our minds are made up. Mrs. Trump is right, Mr. Dollar. As soon as we get those change of beneficiary papers signed, we intend to dispose of ourselves. Well, I... And furthermore, young man, within the past 48 hours, we have had ourselves thoroughly examined by a board of extremely well thought of alienists who signed documentary proof that we are both perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. So there is nothing you can do to stop us in that direction. But why? Why do you want to do this? Now, you you don't look unhappy. Oh, they're not. We've had an extremely happy life, haven't we, Mr. Trump? Indeed we have, Mrs. Trump. And that's just it. You see, Mr. Dollar, we both feel that having enjoyed such a beautiful life, we owe the world something. And finally, we have evolved a method of paying our debt. In doing what we intend to do, we shall leave to the world the beginning of a new humanity. What's the matter with the old one? Nothing. But it is doomed to extinction. Mr. Dollar, just think for yourself. Atom bombs, hydrogen bombs, biological warfare... And don't forget the flying saucers, Mr. Trump. Don't forget, indeed, unknown objects hurtling through space, interplanetary traffic, dear, dear. A prelude to invasion and destruction. Now, now, wait a minute. How do you know? Who told you? Mr. Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things. He was a professor for many years, and he reads, reads, reads all the time. He knows, he knows all that. <laughs> Would you mind pouring me some some of that coffee, Mrs. Trump? Not at all. There. Thank you. Mr. Trump, granted we're all doomed for extinction, how's knocking yourself off going to help? If you just stick it out, you'll not only enjoy a bit more time alive, but you'll also be around to see the fireworks. You will notice, Mr. Dollar, that we are changing the beneficiary in our policies from our niece, Miss Hope Selden, to the young man who let you in here tonight, Mr. Irwin Harper. Yes, I noticed that. And I also noticed that this young man isn't even related to you. Now, what's that all about? My Hope is a frivolous girl. She laughed at us and we tried to tell her what's happening. Erwin is a serious-minded young man who will use the money brought to this household by our family to make the down payment on a new human race. Mrs. Trump, do you happen to have any brandy around? Uh, later, Mr. Dollar, later. You want to know why and how? Well, come along. We'll show you. <laughs> Nightmare is bad enough when you're asleep, but I was awake, and that's when they really frightened me. They took me down through the back of the house to a winding, half-lighted stairway into the belly of the black hole. The oppressive heat grew even more oppressive. More stairs, then tunnels, all the ceilings cement and lined with lead. All the walls covered with pens and cages, and all of them filled with snakes, Mr. Dollar. Reptiles, hundreds of them, every species, every variety known to modern man. Look at them. 
Look at them and look at them well, for here is the new beginning. When life as we know it is blasted off the face of this earth, either by man himself or by his planetary cousin. When that happens, then these shall be the inheritors of this global sphere, as they were in the beginning, according to the Meston theory, as set down in 1903. Yes, Mr. Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things, don't you see? No, I've got to admit I don't quite see. You will. There. Look. Every pen, every cage is equipped with an automatic feeding device. Stored above the cages is enough scientifically developed food to keep these reptiles alive for a hundred years, if need be. Until the Holocaust, they will be cared for by young Harper. I could use an old Harper myself. When the Holocaust comes, Erwin Harper shall survive as long as possible. Then the machines will take over. The reptiles will be fed. And when the recording devices up on top say that the radioactivity and magnetic forces have been dissipated, the doors of the cages leading to the earth above shall be automatically projected outdoors and the cycle shall be complete. Then the reptiles will be set free on the face of the earth to once again evolve themselves into the new humanity. I see. Now look, Mr. Trump, I'm out here to ask you a very simple question. What's all this got to do with your committing suicide? That is easily answered, Mr. Dollar. We need money. We need a lot of money to buy the rest of the equipment. We are willing to give up the little that is left of our lives to provide it. Irwin will remain behind to put our money to good use. Mr. and Mrs. Trump, I don't question your motives, but you can't blame me for taking a second look at your methods. This man springing from reptile theory is flimsy enough, but that's your opinion and you're entitled to it. What you're not entitled to, and I'm quoting the Bible and the law, is the act of taking your own lives. We've talked that over among us, and we are willing to take our chances. All right. But at least you'll agree this is a whole lot to take in one sitting, isn't it? Now let me bring these papers back in the morning. We can talk it over once more, and then you're free to go ahead and sign it. Well, time is short, but I don't think a few hours will matter. Do you agree, Mrs. Trump? Yes, I agree. Good. Now, uh, if you'll be kind enough to either let me have a car or have somebody drive me into town, I... Car? We have no car. We haven't had one for months, and we've borrowed them from the property. Hasn't been one past the gate for almost a year. Oh? Including tonight? Yes, of course, including tonight. You just have to stay here. Come now. We'll take you up to your room, Mr. Dollar. What you need is a good night's sleep. I'd have had a better night's sleep on a tightrope. My room had the same sticky, hot air that filled the rest of the house. It may be great for snakes and orchids, but I'll take my steamings at a Turkish bath. I stretched out on the bed, turned off the lamp, and closed my eyes. But for 20 straight minutes, I could still see ghost automobiles and snakes and more snakes. I kept my eyes closed as much as I could because when they were open, I could see on the wall the serpentine shadows of the tree branches outside. At least I hoped that's what they were. Then, just as I was hoping the hardest that the realest of them all wasn't what it looked like, out of the blackness from across the room I heard... I reached down under the bed for a shoe. Not much of a weapon, but all I could think of at the moment. Then I snapped on the lamp and saw it. It had plenty of coils, all right, but it was strictly non-venomous. The steam radiator standing there, hissing my performance. But my nerve ends didn't even have a chance to lie down. They were still standing straight up when it happened. I was out of bed, across the room, and out into the hall in slightly more time than it takes to tell. The ray of light from my open door fell across a jumbled pile of beautiful young woman. I bent over her and... (coughs) 
trauma is. So perhaps you need analysis. Learn what the basic trauma is. Where, where is she? What did he say, Mrs. Trump? Sounded like he said, where is she? I'm right here, Mr. Dollar, right here taking care of you. Oh. Somebody's been taking care of me, all right. Oh. Well, where is she, huh? She's gone. What have you done with her? Come on, now, where's the girl? Mr. Dollar, you better get hold of yourself. There is no girl here. Oh, no? Well, look. Earlier tonight, you told me there was no automobile around here, but there was. I saw the tracks in the driveway with my own eyes. I walked in one of them. All right, Look out the window, Mrs. Trump. No, I don't see any tracks. Do you see any footprints? No, nothing, just snow. Okay. At least you know I walked up that driveway, right? And my footprints are covered up. So it's been snowing, the wind has been blowing, it's been drifting. Now I suppose you're going to tell me you didn't hear the girl scream. Come, come now, Mr. Dollar. You were having a nightmare. No girl screamed. Well, if you didn't hear anything, what are you doing out here? What brought you? Young man, we have a right to be wherever in our own home we choose to be. But I might as well tell you, I found you when I started for the kitchen to get some crackers and warm milk. I found you lying here. Yeah, everyone's lying around here. Yeah. Young man, that does it. Once we get those papers signed, I'm afraid we shall have to ask you to leave. That's all right with me. They're here in my room. Come on. The way some people stand in the way of the few others who are making a genuine effort to sustain some kind of life on this Yes, Mr. Trump, you're absolutely right. You'll find a pen there on the table. Your papers are right here in my... Hey. Yes, Mr. Dollar? The papers are gone. Well, how can they be gone if you brought them at all? We warn you, Mr. Dollar, we will not stand for any more of your dilly-dallying. We want those papers, and now. We are determined to sign them immediately. Suddenly, that has become my fondest hope. Now, do us all a favor. Go back to bed and give me a chance to do a little walking in your sleep. <laughs> I'm looking for a girl, and I'll admit this is a very unlikely place to find her. I'll thank you to get out of my bedroom. Do you realize how suspicious you look just lying there in bed? What do you mean? Well, I mean that about 15 minutes ago, a woman screamed at the top of her lungs not 20 feet from here. Now, what's your story? That you didn't hear it? Or does it happen around here all the time? You're crazy. I didn't hear any woman scream, and I don't think you did. Okay, have it your way. I'm hearing things. But one thing I know, I'm not feeling things. See here? There's a lump on my head. That's for real. That doesn't interest me a bit. If I find out you put it there, it'll interest you. I'll not only put an egg on your skull, I'll make a whole omelet. In case you don't know it, you're looking at a citizen who's burned up. M-A-D. Mad. From there, I started through the rest of the rooms in the house. I thought I knew who I was looking for. The only person I could think of who would profit by seeing those papers not signed. The present beneficiary of the Trump policy, their niece, Miss Hope Selden. All I could find in the next six bedrooms was a lot of old-fashioned furniture. I was just looking under the bed in the last when the wind outside took on a new note. I ran back to my own room, flung open the window and stuck my head out into the blizzard trying to get a look in the direction of the noise. I wasn't taking any chances on that kicker finally sparking the automobile into life before I had a chance to see who was in it. I swung my feet over the sill and dropped the one story into a high drift. Come on. Come on. Oh, darn it. Wasting your time around here, people only go for sleigh rides. What do you want? Who are you? You should know. You had your hand in my coat pocket earlier tonight. Of course, unfortunately, I wasn't in the coat, but something else was. And I want it back. If I took anything out of your pocket, I had plenty of reason and plenty of right to do it. 
The only one I want taking things out of my pocket is the cleaner when he's filling out the tobacco crumbs. Now, come on, give me those papers. No, just let me talk to you first. I want you to hear my side of things. Look, I'm freezing. If it takes more than five seconds for you to say what you got to say, no dice. Well, then let's go back in the house. I know you'll believe me. <laughs> I saw plenty about her to interest me, but nothing to relax me. She looked like a, well, a big-time operator. A gal would be as dangerous kissing you as killing you. As I closed the door behind us, she walked across the room and made a perfectly natural movement as though to throw open her coat. When she turned, she had a gun in her hand. It was the first time I'd ever seen a shoulder holster on a woman. Now put your hands up, Mr. Dollar, and listen. Uh-huh. If you'll just unwrap your finger from around that trigger, I'll be more likely to keep my mind on what you're saying. Go ahead. I'm listening. You've got to help me. Help you? Yes, help me prevent my aunt and uncle from making fools of themselves. We can't let them leave their money to Irwin Harper. Unless their money... They're attempting to do what they, well, what they believe is right. That money is mine, and I'll kill anyone to get it. Erwin Harper won't stick around five minutes after my aunt and uncle have killed themselves. He isn't planning on taking care of their filthy snakes. I was in his room tonight after he went to sleep. In his pocket, I found a ticket for South America. His plans were all made. He caught me in there and chased me out in the hall and slugged me. When I came to, you were lying there unconscious beside me. I ran downstairs, and I fixed their scheme. I threw the switch to release their stinking reptiles. By now, the snakes are all outside, freezing to death. Don't move. You don't want to... You... So now you know, both of you. You know what that means? I'll have to kill you both, and I'll get away with... Why, you miserable hunk of putty, you conniving thing! No. The Trumps want me to have their money, not you. I worked out that whole plan for them, all of it. And I'm the one they want to take care of it. Now drop that gun, Hope! You'd better drop it, Hope. It doesn't make any difference anyway. What do you mean it won't make any difference? Because our friend over there isn't going to pull the trigger. Oh, no? And why not? Because Hope has released all those snakes. One thing she forgot. When snakes get cold, they try to get warm. And one of them just joined the party. He's right behind you, Irwin. I don't believe you. You're bluffing. Can't you hear him? You can't fool me. That's a steam radiator in this house. They're all noisy. Irwin, if you make any kind of a move or fire that gun, he's going to strike. I'll make you a deal. Let me reach down and get that gun off the floor. I'll blast its head off. Careful. Don't move, Irwin. No, you don't. I know what you want that gun for. I wouldn't even turn around and look, Irwin. Not only going to move, I'm going to get that gun out of your reach. There was a snake. Look out, look out, he's on the loose. Oh, he jumped me! Super smashing! The worst of them all! Well, you've got the gun, come on! Shoot him! Howard, shoot him! All right, That's for him. But you're not staying behind me to get your. This is for Mrs. Arbuthnell Trump were fresh out of beneficiaries to say nothing of snakes. The only one that had found his way back into the warmth of the house was the one I'd mistaken for a steam radiator. And without a handy method for creating a new humanity, the Trumps found themselves without a purpose. So I gave them one. At my suggestion, and at the moment, Mr. T is hard at work in his home laboratory attempting to develop a machine with which mankind will fight the flying saucer. Mr. Trump's invention will be known as the Flying Cup and will be secretly dedicated to a waitress I once knew. Expense account, item three, $113.52 railroad fare, Highbridge, North Dakota, to Hartford, Connecticut. Expense account total, $763.90. You may say this doesn't add up, but neither does anything else about this case. Signed, yours, uh, truly, Johnny Dollar. Truly, 
Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd with music by Leif Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in Harry M. Popkins' United Artists production, D.O.A. Featured in our cast were Peggy Weber, Harley Bear, Hugh Thomas, Dick Ryan, Jess Kirkpatrick, and Mary Ship. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The Echo of Jesse James, a modern story of how police tracked down a couple of train robbers, will be brought to you on CBS's Gangbusters this Saturday night. The narrator will be the superintendent of Metropolitan Police, Washington, D.C., and another Gangbusters wonderful cast will reenact this true story for you. Join us this Saturday night on most of these same CBS stations for Gangbusters drama, The Echo of Jesse James. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Friday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for The Aldridge Family, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Aldridge Family. And now the Jello family presents Henry Henry Aldrich. Come in, Mother. Yes, it's the Aldrich family, based on characters originated by Clifford Goldsmith, and starring Ezra Stone as Henry, with Jackie Kelk as Homer. And yes, it's the Jello family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tapioca pudding chancery. And now for the Aldridge family. When you take a typical American family, plus some friends and neighbors, and then add one teenage boy, you needn't bother to stir things up. The boy, if he's like Henry Aldrich, will somehow attend to that. The scene opens in the Aldrich living room. The time is late afternoon. No, Homer, I think you don't have to. You do? I don't? Definitely not. Boy, Hen, I hope you're right. I've been saving for two months to get a new band for my wristwatch. And now if I had to... Suppose she expects me to. She couldn't. How do you know? I'll bet Agnes doesn't even know it's the anniversary of your first date with her. Do you really think so, Hen? Sure. Who remembers things like that? My father never does. I'm surprised you even thought of her. Boy, I'll never forget it. Well, okay, Homer. You have a special reason for remembering your anniversary, but Agnes doesn't, does she? Gee, maybe you're right, Hen. And boy, is that a load off my mind. Sure. Sure. Now I can concentrate on my wristwatch. Sure. Do you think I ought to get a brown leather band hen or a black one? I thought I heard voices in here. Hi, Mother. Hi, Mrs. Aldrich. Hello, boys, and congratulations, Homer. Thank you, Mrs. Aldrich. What for? Isn't Saturday an anniversary of some kind? Oh, your very first date with Agnes, isn't it? Hen. Gee whiz, Mother, how did you know? I was out shopping this morning and I ran into Agnes. Oh. So my heartiest congratulations to the both of you, Homer, and many happy returns. Thank you, Mrs. Aldrich. <laughs> Thank you, Mother. You're welcome, boys. If you want some fruit, it's in the icebox. Who could eat fruit now? See, Henry? So what? So my mother knows. What does that prove? It proves Agnes knows. All right, supposing Agnes does know. What does that prove? It proves there goes my watch band. Not necessarily. Alice, do you know where... Hello, boys. Hi, Father. Hi, Father. I mean, Mr. Aldrich. Oh, by the way, Homer, I ran into a friend of yours down at the Emporium today. You did, Mr. Aldrich? Whom? Agnes. Oh. 
May I ask in what department? I believe it was in Ladies' Unmentionables. (laughs) Is your mother in the kitchen, Henry? I think so, Father. See you later, boy. Well, that does it. Homer, why do you keep jumping at conclusions? I'm not jumping at them, Hen. They're jumping at me. I still don't see it. Then what was Agnes doing in Ladies' Unmentionables? I don't know. Maybe she was just looking around. Sure, and I know why. Why? To see what she could exchange what I'm going to give her for. Hello? Hello, Henry. Is Homer there? Yeah, he is, Agnes. Agnes? Oh. Let me talk to him. Okay. Here, Homer. Hello, Agnes. Hello, Homer, honey. Oh, boy. Agnes, is there any special reason you asked me to come over to your house? No, Homer. I was just lonely. Oh. Isn't it wonderful, Homer? Another wonderful, thrilling year. Sure. And, Homer, I just want you to know that I don't expect a thing as an anniversary present. You don't? Of course not. I have you. What more could I ask for? Nothing, Agnes. Another year, and we're still together. That's all any girl needs to make her happy. Her man. Sure. Don't you think a brown band would go better with my wristwatch than a black? And anyway, I don't think it's fair for a girl to expect a boy to spend all his money on her. Sure. That's what I like about you, Agnes. You're so fair. Sure. Four or five dollars ought to be plenty. Oh. Homer. What? Give me a hint. I can't. Why? Because. Because why? Just because. Homer Brown, haven't you decided yet what you're going to get me? Well, sort of. Sort of? What does that mean? Henry's supposed to be thinking of something. Oh. Homer? What? Get Henry on the phone and find out what you're going to give me. But Agnes... Here, start talking. Yes, ma'am. Hello, operator. Give me Elm 431. Now, remember, Homer, I don't want you to spend a cent over four or five dollars. Yes, Agnes. Unless you promise you'll get me something cheaper for my birthday. Oh. (laughs) Hello, Hen. This is Homer. Did you think of anything yet? Uh Uh-huh. What? But, Hen. We, I know, but... Uh Uh-huh. I suppose so, Hen. Yeah. Bye, Hen. Well... We, oh, we want it to be a surprise, Agnes. A surprise? Homer, that's wonderful. I just love surprises. What is it? You'll see. Is it something I can wear? Maybe. I'll bet it's something I can eat. Is it, Homer? Maybe. Now it's something I can wear, I'm sure of it. Is it? Maybe. Homer, give me your hint. I can't. Why? Henry said you'd try to force it out of me so he wouldn't even tell me. think of something that would still leave Homer enough for the watch band. I tried to, Mother, but a watch band would only leave Agnes 45 cents. You can't get much for that. No, I imagine not. Besides, I think the dozen roses will be very appropriate. Poor Homer. Yeah, he sure wanted that watch band. (laughs) Maybe this will teach him to change girls at least once a year. Boy, if I only had a little more money, I'd buy him that watch band myself. I'll tell you what I'll do, Henry. Since it's Homer's anniversary... I'll match whatever you put up. How much do you have in your dime bag? A dime. (laughs) Well, that gives us 20 cents. I'll match what both of you put up. There, 40 cents. How much more do we need? About 60. 60, eh? The milk bottles. Henry, there are five empty ones on the back porch. That's another quarter, only 35 cents more. Maybe if we looked under the sofa pillow. Sure. Henry, my pillow. A dime. I found a dime. Look, in the corner there, Henry, there's something shiny. Another dime. Father, did you lose a suspender button? There's a nickel, Henry, and two pennies. Here's another nickel. That's ten, seventeen, twenty-two. Thirteen cents short. Wait, I know why. What? I'll only buy Agnes eleven roses. Fine, we've made it. I'll go right down to the jewelers now and get Homer's watch band. Good. You think I ought to have something engraved on it? Something like success? Henry, this is the anniversary of Homer's winning Agnes, not the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Down there. There? Where? 
I saw Henry in a jewelry store. A jewelry store? Oh, boy! What was he buying? Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up. Listen, Kathleen, what did Homer ever do for you? I'm not saying another word. All right. How about if I make some guesses and you just shake your head yes or no? Hello? Thank you, Homer. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. You're welcome. Who is this? Homer, it's your best girl. Really? Gee, it doesn't sound at all like you, Mother. It's me, Agnes. Oh. Oh. Hello, Agnes. Boy, Homer, the minute I heard I had to call you and thank you. Heard what, Agnes? What you're getting me for our anniversary present. You know? Gee whiz, everybody knows what I'm getting you but me. What am I getting you? I don't think I ought to tell you. It'll spoil a surprise. Listen, Agnes, when I give you a present, you're supposed to be surprised, not me. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, Homer. You come on over. I want to see your face when I tell you. What happened? Homer, we'll never get anywhere if you just keep repeating what I say. What you say? Do you deny you were down at the jewelers this afternoon? Huh? Well, don't. Kathleen saw you. Oh, is that all? Uh-huh. So you admit it. You've ruined me, Henry. I have. How? Did you ever buy a ring for Kathleen on your anniversary? All right. Homer, don't be silly. Then why did you buy one for me for Agnes on our anniversary? A ring? I bought a ring. Kathleen saw you. Kathleen saw me buy a ring? Well, not exactly buy it, but she saw you looking at them. Rings? I didn't buy... Oh, sure. I remember now. Uh-huh. Sure, while I was waiting my turn, I just looked around. Maybe I did glance at some rings. Glance? Then you didn't buy... But Kathleen told Agnes she saw... See, Homer, you got all excited over nothing. No, I didn't, Hen. But, Homer, I didn't buy a ring. Yes, but Agnes thinks she... I... Henry. Yeah? I'm engaged. Agnes, how did Homer ask you? Well, he didn't exactly ask me, Kathleen. Yes, but how did you know? Well, I figured Henry wouldn't be buying a ring unless Homer had said something to him about wanting to be engaged, see? Yes. So I sort of helped him along. Men are always a little afraid to say the actual word. But what did he say then? Nothing. But I could tell from the look on his face that that's what was on his mind. But how did you know? Well, he didn't object when I suggested it, did he? No. So there you are. My goodness. You think I ought to send Henry a thank you card? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> what does being engaged feel like? Oh, sort of relaxing. Relaxing? Uh-huh. You know, you don't have to worry about are you going to have a date Saturday night and things like that. All of a sudden, all your problems are ended because you've got your man to lean on. Oh, it sounds just wonderful. It is, Kathleen. It's wonderful. Just wonderful. It's terrible, Henry. Just terrible. <laughs> Why not look at it this way, Homer? Engagements have their advantages, too. Yeah, name one. Well, they... Well, you... There must be some advantages. <laughs> Otherwise, why would so many people do it? Name one. Just one. Well, for instance, when you're engaged, you don't have to spend so much money on the girl. Oh, yeah? What about the engagement ring? That alone will keep me broke for the next two years. <laughs> sure, Homer, but... The funny part is, I never even thought of Agnes as something you'd get engaged to. <laughs> and what am I going to do? You can always leave town. Sure, sure, that's what I'll do. Leave town right now. Right now? Where will you go? I don't know. What's the difference? So long, Henry. Homer. Don't try to stop me. It's the only way. Homer, please. Tell my folks I said you could have my new bike. All you have to do is tighten my new bike. I hardly even rode it. 
Homer, if I didn't want to be engaged to a girl that badly, I'd just call her up and tell her so. Sure. Why didn't I think of that? I'll tell her straight out. Operator, give me Elm 891, please. I'll... I'll... What should I say to her, Hen? Just say, uh, look, Agnes, there's nothing personal in this, but I think we're both too young to know our own minds. Sure, that's good. And furthermore, Agnes, the whole thing... Hen. Just be firm, Homer. I will, Hen. Hello? Agnes, this is Homer. Agnes, I... What? Oh. Miss Lawson? Oh. Madam? Agnes, I don't know what you mean. Agnes Henry's here. But Agnes... What's the matter? She thinks I ought to call her dear. Oh. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. Uh-huh, dear. Yes, dear. Homer? Yes, dear. I mean... Why didn't you tell her? Because she... She... Henry. Why? What's a fella supposed to get his fiancée for her shower? What? A shower. Agnes said Kathleen insisted on giving her one. Gee, I don't know, Homer. I think you're supposed to give her tablecloths and old pillowcases and things like that. Yeah, I suppose so. Homer, why didn't you tell her about being too young to know your own mind? Well, she sounded so positive about the whole thing. Boy, I got the feeling maybe it was illegal or something to call it off. Gee whiz, maybe it is. You know what, Homer? Maybe you just ought to stick it out. Forever, if necessary. She's bound to get tired of you sooner or later. Isn't an engagement sort of like a contract? I guess so. What can they do to you if you don't go through with your end of it? I don't know. Did you write her any letters she could use against you? Letters? I don't think... Oh, boy. You mean you did? No, she did. Oh. Right after the first time she kissed me. It was sort of a thank you letter. (laughs) Well, you better get home and burn it. I did, as soon as I got it. But what if she kept a carbon copy? Oh, boy. I mean, I don't think my father's going to let... My father? Boy, wait till he finds out. Henry, why did you have to glance at rings in the first place? I didn't know Kathleen was going to be snooping around. Kathleen, that's the trouble with girls. They talk too much. Next thing you know, it'll be all over school. Henry. Why? Mr. Bradley will throw me out of school. See, I told you there were advantages to being engaged. And tonight, the Jell-O family of Yum Yum Desserts wants to give a special salute to National Restaurant Week, May 2nd to May 8th. You know, our neighborhood restaurants are an American institution, famous all over the world for their traditionally high standards of fine food, fine services, fine, friendly atmosphere. So take the family often to your favorite restaurant. It means a treat for everybody. And another treat you can be sure of finding at any good restaurant is America's favorite gelatin dessert. Yes, Jell-O. Jell-O in those six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. So next time you're at your favorite restaurant, have your favorite treat for dessert. Ask for Jell-O. J-E-L-L-O. Getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldridge. Henry's visit to a jewelry store has been misinterpreted by both Homer and Agnes. She thinks she's getting, and he thinks he's giving her an engagement ring. The scene opens in the Aldridge living room. It is the next day. Hello. <laughs> uh, what is it, dear? <laughs> Listen to this letter that came in the mail today. Dear Mr. Aldridge, I am a young high school student who suddenly finds himself engaged to another young high school student, female, of course. My goodness. As a lawyer, I would appreciate your advice on whether I can escape. Escape? Yeah, but that's crossed out and changed to whether I can disentangle myself and if so, how. Sam, who's it from? Yours truly, desperate. Oh. (laughs) Well, what about the handwriting? It's printed. Then there's a P.S., Kindly attach your answer to the lowest branch of the big maple tree in the empty lot on Olive and Fifth Street. Then there's a PPS. Kindly enclose a bill for your fee. 
Well, who do you think? Uh, just a minute, Alice. There is also a PPPS. <laughs> when naming fee, kindly bear in mind that the writer is a poor, underline, young high school student. Alice, you don't suppose... giving it a lot of thought, Agnes, dear. So have I, dear. You have, dear? Yes, dear. Well, what do you think, dear? I agree with you completely, dear. You do, dear? Of course, dear. Sure. Everybody agrees that long engagements aren't good. That's absolutely true, dear. They're terrible. And so I think we ought to reconsider the whole thing. Don't you, dear? <laughs> Well, did you tell her? Yes, Henry. What did she say? She agreed with me. She didn't think long engagements were good either. No kidding. See, Homer, I told you talking to her person to person would get your results. I certainly did. Henry, are you busy June 1st? No, why? I thought you might like to be my best man. <laughs> Anonymous letter, Will? Yeah. Oh, Homer, stop staring into your soup and stop start eating it. Yeah, that's what Sam told me, Elizabeth. Imagine a high school kid doing a thing like that. And Sam didn't know who it was. Oh, Homer, stop that. All he said was the note was signed desperate. A high school boy. You know, Will, if it didn't sound too ridiculous even for him, I'd guess it was Sam's own son, Henry. Oh, Homer, stop fishing around in your soup with your fingers. Take another spoon. Well, whoever he is, he's an idiot. What about his parents? They're idiots, too. <laughs> do you suppose he's figuring on moving her in with his folks? What else can he do? You know what I'd do if I were that kid's father? I'd take him and his idiot bride and ship them right over to her idiot parents' house. Homer, if you're having that much trouble holding onto your spoon, tie it to your wrist or something. Here's another spoon, dear. Fish out the other two. It'd serve him right to have to live with a girl's parents. Let him use their pots and pans and utilities. Let him eat their food. Oh, boy. Homer. Homer, come back here and clean up this mess. Homer. I wonder what's got into that boy. Pots and pans, Henry. Utilities. Take it easy. I'm too young, Hen. I'm just a kid. Homer, you're, you're getting hysterical again. Take another drink of water. Thanks. Henry, what am I going to do? I don't want to live with the Lawsons. Easy, Homer. Easy, boy. There was a letter from my father on the tree today. There was? What did he say? He said if Desperate wanted advice to drop in in person. We can't do that, Henry. Then he'd know. Look, I've got it all figured out. We can tell him we're friends of Desperate, and he asked us to represent him. Sure, sure. That's what we can do. Come on, Henry. Hello, Father. Hello, boy. Hi, Mr. Aldrich. Father, do you recall a communication you had from a party who prefers to remain nameless? Oh, yes. Desperate, wasn't it? That's right, Mr. Aldrich. Well, he's sort of asked us to represent him. Oh? Sort of the party of the third party, you might say. I see. You mean you have his power of attorney? Well, no, Father. We, well, he, he didn't know it was necessary. Mr. Aldrich, couldn't we discuss it purely hypotheoretically? <laughs> Why, yes, I suppose so. Uh, now, what exactly is Desperate's problem? Well, he sort of found himself engaged. Against his will, Mr. Aldrich, against his will. I see. So what can he do to get disentangled? Before he gets all mixed up with pots and pans and utilities. <laughs> I see. Mm, now, let's see. This same point came up in the case of Schneiderkopf versus Schneiderkopf. <laughs> Who won, Father? Schneiderkopf. <laughs> oh, is that good or bad for the third party? Uh, well, in a divided opinion, the Supreme Court decided that in the event of a reversal of sentiment on the part of one of the contractees to an engagement, the dissenting party was obligated to so inform the said partner to said contract. Really, Father? <laughs> the exact wording of the decision. That's very interesting, Mr. Aldrich. Did he get any time off for good behavior? <laughs> I'm afraid you don't understand, Homer. He was no longer engaged. What? How did he get out of it? He called the girl and told her it was off. That's all? That's all. And Agnes couldn't do anything to him? Not a thing. Boy, thank you, Mr. Aldrich, thank you. Homer, stop kissing my hand. 
You should have been here, Alice. It was a riot. I can imagine. What did Homer say after you? Well, in the first place, he looked 30 years younger. <laughs> then he and Henry began to discuss how to break it to Agnes. It seems Homer didn't relish the idea of breaking it to her face to face. So we thought Henry should do it. Inasmuch as Henry was responsible for his predicament, having been seen in the fatal jewelry store at the fatal time. Poor Henry. Oh, he's not doing it. Henry was as reluctant to face Agnes as Homer was. Then how? It was finally decided that Henry would break the news to Kathleen. Who, in turn, would break it to Agnes? My goodness. When is all this going to happen? Well, Henry left for Kathleen's about an hour ago. Homer kept saying, hurry, Henry, before my father finds out. Hurry, Henry, my father will kill me. Is that you, Henry? Yes, Mother. Yeah, did you see Kathleen? Sure, I just came from there. Well, how did everything go? Well, I said, Kathleen, I said, don't you think Homer and Agnes are a little too young to be engaged? After all, I said, she may find someone she likes more than Homer. That's not bad. What did she say to that? Well, she said, what if she doesn't? My goodness. And then I said, still, Kathleen, a, a young girl can have much more fun going out with lots of boys. Then what happened? Well, then we talked a little more about boys and girls and... The advantages and disadvantages of being engaged and things like that, see? I see. And how did it come out? I think I'm a little bit engaged myself. <laughs> what? Henry! And I've got a business proposition for you if you're still engaged. Who said I was, Willie? Who said I was? Gee, is it a secret? Okay, I won't say a word. Now listen, Willie. Not a word. Only if you're going to wear striped pants and a top hat at your wedding, I can rent you my father's at a discount. Well, that should be a sight to see. But for a mighty pretty sight any day in the week, it's, yes, you guessed it, Jell-O. Gay, shimmering Jell-O in those six delicious flavors. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. For a special treat tomorrow, try raspberry ginger dessert made with rich red raspberry jello. Just dissolve a package of raspberry jello in one cup of hot water, then add a cup of ginger ale. Turn into individual molds and chill until firm. It's swell. Tempting fruit like raspberry jello with tangy ginger ale. All six delicious jello flavors are rich with locked in goodness. Flavors sealed right in so it can't get out till your first delectable spoonful. And that's why jello is America's favorite gelatin dessert. And now here's Mrs. Norman Vincent Peale, wife of the renowned minister, with some important news. Good evening, Henry Aldrich, or I should say Ezra Stone. I'm happy to be here tonight in behalf of National Family Week, to present to the Aldrich family our annual radio citation for high quality in content and excellence of production. This is the third consecutive year that the Aldrich family has won this award, and you are all to be congratulated. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Peel. Thank you very much for this very high honor and for your kind appearance here tonight. <laughs> Family starring Ezra Stone as Henry with Jackie Kelk as Homer is written by Frank Tarloff with music by Jack Miller. Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich are House Jameson and Catherine Roth. And this is Dan Seymour in New York saying, The Aldrich Family is brought to you by the Jell-O Family. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's X-1, followed by My Friend Irma. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.